Blog Talk Radio.
Good morning. cock a doodle doo It's 7 a.m., ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters. Welcome to El Barrio Verde, a weekly political radio show from Los Angeles, sponsored by the East Los Angeles Community Law and Civil Rights Center, self-help, legal solutions, and resources for the entire community. Good morning. This is Carlos Montenegro and Bienvenidos to the Neighborhood. This show is being broadcasted live today from East Los Angeles in the Spanglish language to all of our hermanos and hermanas in all 50 United States. Well, it's Friday, viernes. Uh, thank God it's Friday. And today um, <clears throat> we're going to um, continue our talk, uh, part two of Police Misconduct and the Blue Wall of Silence. Today we're going to talk about the challenges of creating a civilian police review board in Los Angeles and then we're going to talk about um, my uh, free PDF book available to any of our listeners um, called the Free Carlos Montenegro Free Guide to Reporting Police Misconduct and Police Abuse. Um, incidentally, this book will be available soon um, on online um, as a um, as a hard copy book, perfect bound edition. Um, and uh, it will be retailing for $9.99. Uh, all proceeds go to our center, of course, um, as there will be a long series of books <clears throat> printed on self-help, legal kinds of issues to help the community to be aware um, how to help themselves. So um, I'm really excited about this new series of books. Um, many of you know I'm a writer, um, and uh, I love to write. I like to write a lot. So anyway, let's commence on this one here, and uh, let's talk about a little bit yesterday. The pros and cons of establishing a community review board to independently investigate citizen complaints of police abuse, police corruption, and police conspiracies. On this show, we'll be discussing the blue wall of silence. We talked about that yesterday, the blue code, blue shield, which are terms used in the United States to denote the idea of an unwritten rule that exists among police officers not to report on a colleague's errors, misconducts, or crimes on crimes. Today on this show, we're going to talk about um, part two, the challenges of creating a civilian re uh, review board in Los Angeles, and then we're going to go to the uh, free legal guide right here. Uh, let me tell you a little bit about our center here first. Um, the East Los Angeles Community Law and Civil Rights Center is a nonprofit corporation offering a wide range of self-help legal services to the community of Los Angeles who are immigrants or individuals who are economically challenged. The East Los Angeles Community Law and Civil Rights Center provides free and low-cost informational services to those who cannot afford the legal assistance of an attorney and who are unable to fill out the legal forms and self-representation cases on their own for lack of understanding the complexity of the law and self-pursuit of their personal freedom, civil liberties, justice, and equality. The East Los Angeles Community Law and Civil Rights Center is located at 4765 Whittier Boulevard, Los Angeles, California, 90022. Our telephone number here is 310-619-3634, and my email is East Los Angeles Law Center at gmail.com. And... Um, uh, that's our center right there. Um, if you want to receive the free informational guide, um, then just email me at the East Los Angeles Law Center at gmail.com. Or otherwise, um, we will be posting where you can go online and directly download a copy of this book, of, these, of this new book series that are coming out that follow each one of our shows. Very interesting books, lots of self-help inside of there um, for everybody, interesting topics um, that um, – 
that needs to be discussed and, and information for people. So anyway, let's get on with this, the show here today. Um, yesterday we also discussed about the Los Angeles County Board of Supervisors that um, um, they are desperately trying to create something um, in the midst of our country's turmoil for 2014 of police misconduct and for the public's lack of confidence in the uh, law enforcement um, all across the country, uh, especially here in Los Angeles. Uh, they're trying to come up with a structure or a plan, and really um, you have a say-so of how you want this to be structured, but um, if you don't go to the meetings and voice your opinion, then they're going to structure it the way they want to structure it. And usually what happens is if we don't go to the meetings and voice our opinion from we the people, um, it's going to be composed, once again, of law enforcement officers who are going to be policing law enforcement officers of law enforcement errors. And we all know what's going to happen there. Absolutely nothing, uh, which has been happening for all these years here, whether they want to admit it or not. Um, we see over a period of time, time and time again, lawsuits against the county of Los Angeles, the city of Los Angeles, for police misconduct, um, for the LAPD, Los Angeles Sheriff, and other various police departments within the state of California. Um, our economy is just barely recovering from this recession, and um, I don't know about you, but um, for a taxpayer to be paid out in a lawsuit because a police officer um, brutalized or misconduct somebody and was found guilty of, um, I think that's, that's bothersome, especially that these lawsuits end up being in the millions and millions and millions of dollars every year. Um, somehow, um, the LAPD and the LA Sheriff County Sheriff's Department think it's a-okay uh, for their officers to get pulled into these lawsuits um, and paid out. That is justified. Most of these lawsuits are hush-hush. Uh, the outcome and, and most of the uh, records are sealed, or they try to seal them or try to um, hide them from the public. Um, and if not, the information is scattered so abruptly over the Internet, they're not putting them all on one site where the um, public can view actually what happened, the outcome. Um, they don't even have uh, on their websites um, when a complaint is filed and um, the alleged um, incident by a, a concerned citizen, uh, nor do they have uh, anything else that comes with it. In fact, the um, both the LAPD and the LA Sheriff's Department um, are way far behind in posting up information. And, um, um, you know, I thought if you keep accurate records, that they should be posted every year, um, just like people file taxes or people have to, um, you know, when they um, make a charge on them and they have to produce records, they have to produce them in, on time. But um, there's a lack of concern by the authority to really allow that. Um, and really give a voice to go to the Los Angeles County Board of Supervisors and voice your opinion about this situation. Um, I think one of the most disturbing things for me is the amount of money paid out in lawsuits that don't have to be paid out if there were some changes in police training policy, um, and uh, then the public would probably start to view them a little bit more differently. Uh, many years ago, uh, you know, if the police wouldn't stop you, uh, you know, it was pretty formal and a-okay and friendly. Now, when they stop you, you're not sure if you're going to down or if you're going to get beat up or 
um, conspired, framed up, whatever the case might be. Uh, we've all heard the stories, and for the um, chief of police and for the head sheriff to say that that's only um, selective or um, isolated incidents, we all know from the amount of data that we can take a look at that that's a bunch of BS, and really let's just call it what it is, and let's get down to the nitty-gritty and start changing things here so that we can all live in harmony. Um, let's talk about this L.A. County Board of Supervisors meeting. If you want to go to the meetings, the regular meetings of the Board of Supervisors are held every Tuesday at 9.30 a.m. in the board's hearing room located at 500 West Temple Street, room 381B, Kenneth Han Hall of Administration in Los Angeles. The regular meeting of the board held on the fourth Tuesday of each month is primarily for the purpose of conducting legally required public hearings on zoning matters, fee increases, special district proceedings, property transactions, etc. On Tuesdays following a Monday, holiday and meetings be begin at 1 p.m. And if you pass go and collect $200, you need me to mo. That sounds pretty, <laughs> pretty complicated there. But anyways, ladies and gentlemen, um, their regular <laughs> board meeting meets on Tuesdays at 9.30 a.m. Um, I myself will be present um, starting um, this month at, at all the uh, board meetings. Um, it's very important for me personally that these that the um, police review board um, be reflective fairly uh, for the community, um, and I invite the public to also join me there at their meetings. Um, you can also change things or start to change things by getting involved in your local uh, community um, uh, civil uh, city hall meetings, uh, because a lot of um, other city um, cities out there that um, have their own police departments. And, um, you know, you can also start um, bringing information to them, to the city um, city council meeting, about starting a, a civilian um, police review board in your city. Um, hopefully, uh, soon we will have a something written out or a structure um, that we believe um, is fair. It could have some changes made on it that we can distribute to all the different city um, city organizations, councils, or neighborhood council meeting um, uh, board members and to the public to take to their city so that they can uh, start a process of civilian review boards. Um, and, um, and nothing fanatical, just what it is. All right, today we're going to talk a little bit. About, we're going to go over two articles today, and then we're going to get right into the um, what my recommendations would be. You don't take my recommendations, but um, just start. In an article written December 10, 2014, called Civilians Will Oversee the L.A. County Sheriff's Department After All, Public Safety and Justice, Los Angeles Times, written by Cindy Chang and Abby Sewell. Here we go. Faced with a series of scandals that have roiled the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department, the Board of Supervisors voted Tuesday to create a civilian oversight system to provide greater accountability for the agency. The action is the latest in several moves aimed at restoring public trust in the department whose officials have faced criminal charges over obstruction of justice and mistreatment of inmates in the sprawling jail system. It also marks the first major shift in policy since two new supervisors took office earlier this year. 
In August, the old board rejected a proposal to create a board of citizens to monitor the sheriff's department, questioning the timing and effectiveness of the move. Two new members, Sheila Crone and Hyde uh, Hilda Solis, declared their support for civilian oversight. Two thumbs up for you two ladies. Citing not just problems in the sheriff's department, but also controversial police killings around the country that have sparked national protests. The article goes on to say, we, can, we can't afford to delay any longer, so we said. Across this country, public trust in the people who are charged with keeping us safe has fallen to an all-time low. The precise powers of the commission will depend to a large extent on the new sheriff, Jim McDonald, who was elected to the job last month after longtime Sheriff Lee Baca resigned in January. The sheriff is an independently elected office, so Sheriff McDonald is not obligated to take direction from the supervisors or their oversight commissions. McDonald takes over the post under an unprecedented degree of scrutiny, including an impending federal consent degree governing mentally ill inmates. Last year, the supervisors appointed a veteran public corruption prosecutor to be the department's inspector general. Many of the commissioner's details, including how many members it will have, the scope of its powers, and its relationship to the new inspector general's office remain to be worked out. A panel, including the sheriff and other county officials, will issue recommendations within three months. So they've already got a head start on us, everybody. So for those community activists out there, and for other concerned citizens, it's time to sit down, get a piece of paper, your pen out, and design a structure that what would you think um, it should be composed of and how this should be done. The proof is in the pudding. What kind of civilian review board it will be and its powers are, how it's appointed, remains to be seen. It has the potential to be a good thing, said Merrick Bob who, as a county watchdog, issued critical reports about the sheriff's department for 22 years. McDonald, who supported the creation of the Civilian Commission, said he, uh, he will take its suggestions seriously. In his campaign for sheriff, he cast himself as a reformer from outside the department who helped the LAPD emerge from the Rampart era. Remember that was a scandal and boy, was that scandalous, um, to say the least. It's kind of a clearing call, he said last week at a Times editorial board meeting. If they're calling out something that's wrong, we have an obligation to fix it. In a statement released Tuesday, McDonald emphasized the need for the commission to be independent. An ideal size would be seven to nine members, including several not appointed but county supervisors, he said, the members unpaid and perhaps serving a a set number of years. The inspector general should report to the Citizens Commission, McDonald said. McDonald has cited his experience at the LAPD working under its police commission, which sets agency policy, plays a major role in hiring the police chief, and reviews use of force incidents. I have long believed that partnerships with our community should be embraced, not feared, he said in this statement. Since 1992, when a commission led by retired Judge James G. Colts issued a 359-page report, the Sheriff's Department has received detailed recommendations for reform and often failed to implement them. Bob's semi-annual reports describe issues including excessive force by deputies against jail inmates and the department culture 
that failed to punish bad behavior, but he had no powers of enforcement, and the problems persisted. I would like to read some of uh, Bob's reports. I haven't read any of them, ladies and gentlemen, but uh, more than likely before the next show, I'm going to get some of those reports if I can and uh, read them, and we'll, we'll talk about them at a later time. In 2002, the U.S. Department of Justice began monitoring the treatment of mentally ill inmates in county jails. Earlier this year, in a strongly worded letter describing a drastic increase in jail suicides, federal officials warned that a court-ordered consent decree was imminent. So the U.S. Department of Justice, this is my comment here on the article, has been studying this abuse in jail since 2002. And here we are, 2014, and this was from 2014, that they're just now making um, some kind of an observation or some sort of um, decree of what's, what's going on. That's a long time. How many people suffered? How many people died? How many people um, were terrorized, especially the mentally ill, in jail and those conditions by deputies that were sanctioned by Lee Baca? All right. <clears throat> the department has implementing the reforms proposed by the Jail Violence Commission, major force incidents such as deputies kicking suspects in the head of all things or causing bone fractures appear to be down, would you think? with only three reported in the first nine months of this year. Wow. That's a good thing, huh, as opposed to um, 50, 60, maybe zero. Street policing has been an issue, too. In 2013, the U.S. Department of Justice accused sheriff's deputies in the Animal Valley of racially biased policing, including unlawful search of homes, improper detentions, and unreasonable force against African Americans who received low-income subsidized housing. Crow and Solis, who were sworn in with McDonald on December 1st, joined with Supervisor Mark Ridley Thomas to approve the Citizens Oversight Board. The Los Angeles County, with the nation's largest sheriff's department, should send a clear signal with respect to reform, openness, transparency, transparency and accountability, Ridley Thomas said. Crow said the commission will provide a needed public forum to air issues before they develop into full-blown crisis. The public really doesn't feel that they knew or knew in time what was going on, she said. Supervisor Michael D. Antonovich, who with Don Canati voted against the measure, said a separate oversight body would be distraction from the Inspector General's work. Richard Druyan, who oversaw implementation of the Commission on Jail Violence Recommendations, argued that a civilian board would dilute the supervisor's influence and that a strong inspector general's office would be the best form of oversight. Inspector General Max Hutzman deferred to McDonald on civilian oversight question but said his office is having problems getting across to internal sheriff's department documents. I wonder why. Without full access, he said, I do not think this will succeed. Advocates for civilian oversight called Tuesday's vote a historic moment and asked that the Citizens Board have subpoena power and not include law enforcement officers among its members. Kim McGill, organizer of the Youth Justice Coalition, asked people at the Board of Supervisors meeting to stand up and remind the Board of County off-site admission to take care of the most valuable members of the community. She goes on to say, we are all people that have been in your jails, she told the Board. 
and the people that buried our family members whom they've been killed by sheriffs. What an interesting article, don't you agree? Uh, so many facts um, that in this article, it's a very, very good article, um, things that need to be addressed. So let's move on to January 16, 2015, um, by another article by Cindy Chang, um, the Los Angeles Times. Report urges greater transparency at LA County Sheriff's Department. The Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department lags behind other major law enforcement agencies, including the LAPD, in releasing information about officer-involved shootings, complaints from the public, and internal disciplinary actions against officers, a report by the department's new inspector general has found. The Sheriff's Department should post the information on its websites as a public can easily review it and report it, she said. Along with a civilian oversight board now in the planning stages, better access to data would bring more transparency to a department that has been plagued by scandals, including brutality by deputies against inmates in the county jails. Sheriff Jim McDonald, who took office on December 1st, said he fully supports the Inspector General's recommendations, but added that it will take some time to organize the information and figure out what details can be posted without disclosing personal information protected by the state law. Posting the data will let the public know how we're doing, how we're trending over time, how we're progressing. We are having challenges and setbacks, and if so, and what we're doing about it, he said. In the report, Inspector General Max Hutzman alluded to ongoing national scrutiny of police shootings of unarmed civilians which intensified with the death of Michael Brown in Ferguson, Missouri, and has led to protests from all around the country. Transparency helps build public trust and reduce an us-versus-them mindset where people view law enforcement as the enemy, Hutchman said. Any member of the community should be able to look it up and find out what's going on, Huntsman said. If they can get real numbers immediately instead of waiting for a report to come out in the press, then they have a chance to see the full picture. In addition to policing unincorporated parts of the city and 42 contract cities, the Sheriff's Department runs the nation's largest county jail system. Huntsman's recommendation discloses would include tallies of violent incidents involving jail deputies and complaints launched by inmates against the jail staff. Compared with eight other policing agencies, including Los Angeles, New York, and Chicago, the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department was ranked the lowest, with a rating of poor in Huntsman's assessment of the information available on its website. The Sheriff's Department website discloses only the bare minimum required by law, Huntsman noted. The agency provides a detailed breakdown of crime statistics, but does not include information about deputy-involved shootings, employee discipline, or public complaints, the report noted. Some of the information is released to the news media upon request, but Huntsman said anyone should be able to pull it up online, and I agree with you, Mr. Huntsman. By contrast, the LAPD's website contains annual use of force reports listing the number of officer-involved shootings broken down by whether anyone was hit, whether the target was an animal or human, or whether the discharge of the officer's weapons was intentional. The reports state the time these shootings took place in the area where it occurred, as well as the officer's rank in years with the department. But only the reports from 2009 to 2010 have been posted, Huntsman noted. Well, that's very selective of them, isn't it, ladies and gentlemen? 
The website also contains the Los Angeles Board of Police Commissioners' Use of Force findings through 2013, which provide detailed narratives of shootings and other major force incidents. Quarterly discipline reports are also posted on the LAPD's website. These include the number of complaints against officers, the types of allegations, and the penalties imposed. Again, information is not up to date. Stopping in 2012, Huntsman's report said. In press releases, the LAPD routinely names officers who have been who have shot civilians, while the Sheriff's Department only does so in response to public records requests. Among other agencies cited in Huntsman report, the Las Vegas Police Department attaches investigative reports of each officer involved shooting along with analysis of trends. One annual Las Vegas report found that African Americans made up of a disproportionately large number of police. The most significant case the report concluded was officers mistaking the actions of African Americans as threatening when they were unarmed. The Dallas Police Department's website includes a summary of each incident whether the suspect was carrying a weapon and the name, gender, and race of the police officer, the report said. County Supervisor Mark Riley Thomas said he wants the Sheriff's Department website to include everything that the law allows. <clears throat> I think Kelly County has been behind the times for too long, he said. The more the public knows, the better off the County of Los Angeles will be. Well, that was a great, those are great articles. Those are available uh, to see in the archives of um, Los Angeles Times. Cindy Chang, great article, Cindy. Um, that moves us to the next point right here. What is the, what is the correct way of forming a of civilian review board? Well, I can tell you that, um, in my opinion, you definitely would not have to have law enforcement on it. Um one of the problems with the Inspector General's Office of the LAPD is that uh, they do have close ties with the LAPD. Some, I don't know, maybe, uh, are police officers, ex-police officers, retired police officers, and really it's an agency of police for the police. And although some things are done by them that get through, um, probably if we could see the statistics, if they would post them, um, correctly. So if my information is wrong, they have no one to blame but themselves. But I would say from experience or other people's complaints that 90% or more complaints by civilians against police officers go um, rejected um, with um, simply that no merit to the claim um, because of why? Because there was lack of evidence that was not um that was not included in the reports by the officers or the lack of the ability of the office of the inspector general's office to investigate all witnesses and to um and to see what was going on and many times most of the times they never even interviewed actual person making the complaint outside of the police report to get their opinion um these are people that are getting paid hundreds and thousands of dollars a year these offices and they can't take the time to actually meet with the people and face-to-face and discuss what happened. Um, most of the times uh, we know that uh, the information that we give them, they actually send to the um, prosecutor's office or to the city attorney's office so they get a head start of knowing what exactly we, we're going to say um, and use as a defense so they can block it, come up with some, um, you know, game 
So really in reality, um, it's really sad that they're doing this to the people um, and would rather pay out dollars for lawsuits. This is a system that's broken. It needs to be repaired, okay? And it can be repaired um, in a very, very good and um, civil way. So what are the solutions to the problem of creating a real civilian police review board? First of all, um, my recommendation would be that it be of the community and not of the police. Every member that comes um, to be one of the um, people on the review board, they need to take an oath under penalty, uh, penalty of perjury to serve on the review board. Members of the civilian board would be elected or chosen for a specific amount of time and be chosen from members community and not nonprofit organizations. So although um, in the article we talked about maybe serving for two years, that's way far too long, um, they should be chosen like going to court uh, for a jury or, or a, a grand jury, a miniature grand jury uh, from the community. Um, and um, the, the civilian police board would investigate all crimes or claims of police misconduct. So that means any civilian could go to them and make a complaint. Now, the complaints should be taken only under penalty of perjury <clears throat> because there are, really in reality, many people out there making up bogus stories, bogus police claims, or adding a little bit, you know, a little bit more relish on the hot dog than, than one would like to, to eat. So, um, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a whole group of those fanatic people out there. <clears throat> but if somebody goes and takes an oath under penalty of perjury, um, then it gets a little bit more, um, how would you say, a little bit more dangerous for the for those individuals who are liars out there uh, because they're going to go straight to jail. All right. Um, the Civilian Review Board should have the ability to subpoena police records and records of the investigation, whatever the detectives or whoever is investigating it, investigator or investigate, uh, investigators, um, and the witnesses have access to all of that, names and where to get in contact with these people, um, the ability to subpoena and interview police officers. Right now, um, uh, if you uh, call in a police officer um, under this uh, code of silence, more than likely they're not going to give out no 411, no information. Um, and that really, and it's really obvious when that happens, and uh, that's something that needs to be changed in their hiring process and the oath they take upon um, being indoctrinated as a police or L.A. County Sheriff. Um, if the city charter does not allow for such a civilian board in it, uh, then write it into the charter of the city by putting it on the ballot of an emergency election so that let the people decide what they want to do, Okay. Uh, so many times, um, you know, they just go ahead and do things, policy, because they think it's for everybody, the best of anybody, but really it's only for the best of who they think it's going to be the best for. That's why I encourage everybody to go to the meetings of the County Board of Supervisors so that you can voice your opinion in a calm and cool manner. Individuals who are making complaints must take an oath, like I said, under penalty of perjury and thus eliminate frivolous lawsuits, complaints, who may only seek to make a claim against the police for revenge, vengeance, or fanatical beliefs and or reasons. 
allow members of the Civilian Review Board to conduct ride-alongs with police patrols to document police protocols and how their relations are with the community. Law enforcement agencies notify the Civilian Review Board members when there is an instant, the very instant, when there has been a question of police misconduct. So they can also go to and arrive on the scene with the police and the police investigators to be able to interview witnesses. You and me both know that witnesses fall into the cracks. Uh, so police don't like something or if they want it bent. If what they think happened, they're going to only interview those people that are going to back up the belief of what they think happened <clears throat> a lot of times. And um, if they say that they don't do that, that's that's a bunch of BS. We all know that. So I don't have to even go into detail about that. Uh, Rampart was one big major scandal, and there's been scandal after scandal since then. Uh, I just didn't have time to uh, go over each scandal, because there's many of them involving police officers by themselves or in groups, which ended up being, um, um, you know, big losses for the city payment to individuals. All new police officers and new sheriff deputies must take an oath at the time of their employment that they will not withhold any information from the investigating agency about any incidents or about fellow officers, the blue wall of silence. And at the conclusion of the investigation, turn the report into the city and law enforcement agencies which govern over the particular law enforcement agency. So in this particular case, it really, in my belief, it's not up to the board to make any recommendations. It's up to the board to only document um, and now um, analyze the information, including the witnesses, statements, statements that are um, that are conflicting, officer statements or conflicting with other witnesses. It should be a report that is very, very neutral, not for the people and not for the police. It's just a report. And then it should be up to the governing board, which could be the county board of supervisors or the special panel um, to review these um, civilian complaints. And also for the um, inspector general's office to take the report and let them determine what they want to do and how they see it. But these reports should also be available to the public to see um, so that it will, uh, so that it's a, a transparency will be um, happen so the people can understand what is really truly going on. So a lot of times people think, oh, it's being bored, uh, they're going to be always against the police. But if it's created in a way that's very, very neutral, all members take an oath on the penalty of perjury, all they're there is to do, all they're there to do is report what they hear from witnesses, all witnesses, go through and question however long it takes, and then come up with a conclusion, not come up with a conclusion, but just come up with their statistics, just like mathematics, just nothing but the facts, everything, even the facts that are not correct, even including the report, um, um, facts that don't even make sense or fit into the, into the police story or to the witness's story. It should be a very, very neutral report. Um, I think most people and citizens would like to see that, and I think that that would be a way for the police to or for the people to trust again. If you believe that you have a victim of police misconduct, 
Um, I'm very interested in hearing from your, your story. And once again, as I said yesterday, um, if you come down to the East Los Angeles Community Law and Civil Rights Center, um, you can make a verified complaint. A verified complaint to me is a complaint that you are going to swear under penalty of perjury that the facts of how you see them or how you know them to be true. Um, and I'm not going to go into the process of how we do that, but at any rate, um, we're going to take a report, review it, and then I will give you the information of where you can send it to the appropriate investigating agencies that are in play right now. So until we get a civilian board, unfortunately, we're going to have to go with the flow and report all things to, for example, the Inspector General's office and see what they're going to do with the information. Um, that goes into another area uh, called government tort law or government injury law, and we're going to be discussing that on February 4th, Wednesday, on how to um, initialize a complaint uh, with the city or government for police misconduct uh, because you must follow strict guidelines when um, filing these complaints if you want to get your action eventually heard in regular court, state or federal. So right now, um, I would like to read you this free PDF guide that I wrote for available for everybody, and it's also going to be available for $9.99, a hard copy um, with a series of books um, about self-help, legal books, of information compiled from the Internet and my own experience. Um, like I said, we're, I'm not an attorney yet, but um, there's nothing wrong with dissemination of information that's available to the public, pretty on the Internet. And it's just simply giving out information here. But um, here we go. The Carlos Montenegro, a police misconduct victim's guide. There is no shortage of advice out there about what you should do when you are forced to interact with the police. Just do a search, and you'll find a multitude of sites devoted to explaining what your rights are when dealing with law enforcement and how you should go about asserting those rights. But strangely enough, there is an absolute lack of advice available out there about what you should do once a police officer violates those rights. And there will be no shortage of questions you'll have once it happens to you. I know this because this is no, there is no shortage of people who write me um, asking those questions when they become victims of police misconduct. And I've heard from a lot of people over the years. So I've compiled a general guide for victims of police misconduct that gives some general information and guidelines that hopefully answer a lot of those questions you'll have once you become a victim of police misconduct. And I do hope that you'll never have to follow this advice. The first thing I must make it clear that I am not a lawyer. Please keep this in mind. The following advice is based on my experiences on myself as a victim of police misconduct an advocate for other victims, and a researcher studying the issues of police misconduct. Therefore, the following tips should not be considered as legal advice and are merely general recommendations that may or may not apply equally in all states or localities. So before I even start, let me give one piece of advice to you. Talk to an attorney in your area that has experience with civil rights and police misconduct before doing anything. And 
remember there is a difference between you, what you should do as a victim of police misconduct versus what you should do as a mistreatment in jail or in prison. With that out of the way, let's get started, ladies and gentlemen, for this morning. Step one, remember your most important right. Generally, once your rights have been violated by a police officer, whether it was an issue of excessive force, a false arrest, or any other multitudes of types of misconduct out there, you're more likely than not be arrested, even if only as a means to cover for the original rights violation. So first things first, and right to um, you have the right to be silent is your best friend. Do not start mouthing off that you are going to sue. Don't say anything except that you need medical attention if you were injured during the incident. Once you make the claim that you believe your rights are violated, the officers in question will immediately begin to operate in cover-up mode and start to build their defense immediately. So the best thing that you can do is wait and answer only the questions that you absolutely have to answer, like your name. That's pretty simple. If you're lucky, the police won't go into CYA mode right off the bat, which increases your chances that they're not they'll not be as diligent about covering themselves in their report or lawyer up and and help find and help from their union right off the bat. Step two, document everything. One of the most common problems in cases of police misconduct come about when the narrative is cloudy or when victims cannot describe clearly or remember the details of what happened to them. So while you are enforcing your right to remain silent, also begin to make all the mental notes that you possibly can, and as soon as you have a chance, start writing all of them down. Becoming a victim of police misconduct is a very overwhelming experience, and shock will set you in some point, into you some point or time, in some kind of form. One of the most common symptoms of the sense of shock and or post, post-traumatic syndrome stress is disorganized thoughts and memory problems. This will be especially pronounced if the incident involved physical violence. So the sooner you start documenting everything, the better. Even if it's all a jumble at first, at least if you have everything noted down, you can organize it later with help. But you can't organize what you don't remember, so document everything ASAP before you forget something important. Some important details to document. Number one, a precise timeline events along with your best guess at when each event occurred. Number two, where each event happened within the timeline. Step three, who witnessed each event? If you don't know names, then write down descriptions with as much detail as possible. Four, who did it? When did they do it? In front of whom? And what was said? Documentation is important not only for the victim, but for any witness of police misconduct as well. If you see police misconduct, immediately write down exactly what happened as soon as you can before you call anyone. Step three, take care of you before you take on the system. Before you can even start thinking about a civil lawsuit or filing a complaint, deal with the important stuff first. If you are arrested, get a criminal defense lawyer and start focusing on dealing with the criminal charges. If you were hurt, get medical attention as soon as possible. If you are denied medical medical care and custody, then the very first place you should visit after your release should be a doctor or hospital. Not only is it important for your own well-being to get that important stuff taken care of, it's also important for any shot you might have at filing a lawsuit at a later time. 
Again, continue to document everything, like how much that lawyer costs, how much that not to take costs, how much calls from jail costs, medical bills, etc. Now, I'm not saying you can start looking for a civil rights lawyer while your criminal case is pending, but defense place before a civil lawsuit won't do you much good while you're sitting in prison or dead because you didn't get the medical attention that you needed. Step four, organize your thoughts and build your case. So you've been documented everything. You took care of your medical and criminal defense needs, and you've had a chance to clear your mind a little bit. Now it's time to start organizing your notes and your thoughts before you do anything else. Why? Again, as a person who has received a lot of letters from police misconduct victims recently seeking help, nine out of ten times they are writing while still in the state of shock, and what they write barely makes sense. It's missing a lot of necessary information and is not going to help them find a lawyer who will want to take their case. Usually it's all a confusing jumble. But that's mostly a symptom of the trauma and shock caused by the incident, so it's understandable but it can cripple their chances at finding good help. So it's important to take the time to organize your thoughts, especially when you're a victim of police misconduct. Take time to write a more refined summary of important items and details you documented so far, and then use it to craft a letter that you can later use to make your case to a lawyer, because believe it or not, odds are you'll have to work hard to sell your case, especially if you've already gone broke defending yourself against criminal charges and paying medical bills for what happened and need a lawyer who will take your case without payment up front. If possible, don't do this alone. Get the help of family, friends who believe what happened to you and can be trusted to help without talking about it. Have them read what you wrote and talk to them about what happened until you feel comfortable with how you describe it and how they can tell you um, if it makes sense or not. By the time you're done, you'll need to have two things. Number one, a detailed and organized set of notes that describe what happened in a clear chronological order. This should include a list of any potential witnesses along with any contact information you can find. Number two, a brief summary of the important details that is no more than two short set paragraphs which will serve as your introductory pitch to lawyers and, and that you contact. This will include the basis of what happened, who it happened to, when it happened, where it happened, and what the status of any criminal charges are at the time. Why a short pitch? Because nothing puts off a prospective lawyer more than a long run-on paragraph that is so jumbled that they can't make sense of it. Anything that takes a lawyer more than a couple minutes to read or listen to during the first contact will more than likely be ignored out of hand. The detailed chronological notes are only for after a lawyer takes your case, and if they're asked for more details once it's done, then you're ready to go to the next step, step five. Find a lawyer, but it's harder than you think. So you believe now you want justice and you've started to look for a lawyer to consider your case in odds are you're going to find you're going to soon find that it's much more difficult to believe. Sure, you were probably told that the ACLU takes any case they hear about or that lawyers would be crawling out of the woodwork to take your case while well, you are misled. The ACLU only takes a fraction of cases, usually based on whether the case will make precedent or make a lot of headlines. They are very selective about what they take and not helpful otherwise. Lawyers don't like to take on police misconduct cases either. 
They are difficult to win and take a lot of time to build, and most police misconduct victims don't have the money to pay them up front. So when lawyers aren't being paid up front, lawyers have to gauge the risk involved in taking your case against how likely it is that they will they would win and if and if what they would stand to win would pay for all the time and expenses they spend on your case. Don't feel bad if they turn you down because it's all business since they have to make a living too. So you must be prepared to sell your case and be ready for a lot of rejection in the process. This is why I recommend that all victims contact as many lawyers as possible about their case and have their brief pitch already ready. Each time you talk to a lawyer, write down what they ask and use it to prepare for the next call from another lawyer so you have answers ready. Even if one says yes, make sure you feel comfortable with that lawyer before signing anything and keep trying if they don't. Sure, it's not fair that you have to do all the work after being victimized already, but if you want justice, it's what you have to do. Don't be discouraged and don't get mad. Just keep using each attempt to make your case stronger. Don't give up, but also make sure you know what your statute of limitations are in your state and don't waste time. Remember, we're going to go over that on on February 4th, ladies and gentlemen. Step six, be patient. If you do get a lawyer, be prepared to wait and understand that the process you're about to go through is very slow and somewhat torturous. Most cases take years, not months, and some can drag on for over five years after appeals. So don't expect the government to call as soon as you file and offer a settlement out of fear. They usually don't, and lately there's been a big push in a lot of cities to fight every single case, and the government doesn't have any problem about victimizing you a second time by dragging you through the mud in the press and in the court. Be ready for that. Following your lawyer's advice, don't talk to anyone without talking to your lawyer first and keep documenting everything that is related to your case. If any new bills come up or you get a call from the police also, you might have noticed that at at, at no point did I recommend that you file a complaint with the police. Well, like I said, don't do anything without talking to your lawyer first. That includes filing a complaint with the police department about your mistreatment. In many cases, there's a statute of limitations, which you have to take a look at, and as the pros and cons about filing and um, at the time, because sometimes if you don't follow, uh, if you don't follow statute of limitations, um, your case will be dismissed right from the beginning. Um, although um, you may be able to um, um, claim other kinds of uh, statutory reasons why it should be um, heard. Okay. Additional advice is important notes. Please report complaints. I usually recommend against filing a complaint with a police department over police misconduct unless the case is minor, would not result in a civil suit, or doesn't involve you as a victim. Why? While some departments do honestly make an effort to investigate complaints to determine if misconduct occurred, some also use the investigation as a method to prepare their defense against police misconduct lawsuits. When police departments use investigations as a cover-up for building a defense against legal action, it gives them a head start in the civil case you might be planning in the future against them, and sometimes it even lets them start intimidating the witnesses or manipulating facts involving the case to favor their case. You might have to assume the worst and act accordingly. So, ladies and gentlemen, um, that free guide or uh, is available as a free PDF, or you can... Also order it um, and promote our center uh, through donations for $9.99 and a hardbound edition that we mailed out to you directly within three or four days. I think it's a handy-dandy book to have, um, and it's it's a valuable book for uh, for a community book collection here. 
I wanted to let you know some good news on Wednesday, again, February 4th, 2015, at 12 noon on Embody Verde, Blog Talk Radio Show. Our topic will be about government tort law and how to file a claim for personal injury against the LAPD or the Los Angeles Sheriff's Department. On this show, I will be discussing the pros and cons about the complicated process for making a successful complaint and claim for damages. There will be a free PDF available to anyone who requests it um, that will that will give you very good information, including the easy-to-follow flowchart and legal steps of what to do starting from the first day that you were victimized to the initial filing of the complaint with the city agency. This free PDF book contains all the appropriate forms and explanations of how to file with the appropriate government agencies of the LAPD or the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department. The free PDF booklet was written by me, and it's called The Carlos Montenegro Guide to Filing a Government Claim for Personal Injury Against LAPD and Los Angeles Sheriff's Department. On Wednesday, February, and that book will also be available um, in a hardbound edition, perfect bound edition, um, um, on our website, and I'll let you know later on where you can get it for nine ninety nine. On Wednesday, February eleventh, twenty fifteen, at twelve noon on the Barrio Verde Red Blog Talk Radio Show, our topic will be about how to expunge your criminal record. On this show, I will be discussing the process of how to successfully expunge your criminal record on your own without an attorney, and also how to seal your criminal record. Following this show, there will be another free PDF available to anyone who requests it. The free PDF booklet was written, of course, by me, and it is called The Carlos Montenegro Guide to Expunging Your Criminal Record and How to Seal an Arrest Record in California. Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, um, it was great today to um, to speak with you, um, and I look forward to seeing you in, uh, next week. Next Wednesday on, on our show, um, we're going to be talking about immigration law and the different visas that are available to immigrants and for those that are here. Like I said, um, there's a lot of misinformation. For as many visas as possible, describe what each Again, ladies and gentlemen, this is Carlos Montenegro from the East Los Angeles Community Law and Civil Rights Center. Um, it was great to talk with you, and I'll see you next week. God bless and have a great weekend. Thank God it's Viernes. <laughs>
I can feel your side of mine. 